Hello, and welcome to the Kingdom Corner Podcast, where you can propel your faith into even deeper levels as we discuss how to live the kingdom culture on earth as it is in heaven, just as Jesus prayed. Here's your host, the great Matt Geib. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law does he meditate day and night. Yes, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in that law does he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of living water. And his leaf also shall not wither. And whatsoever he does, it shall prosper. For the man of God's delight is in the law of the Lord. And in that law does he meditate day and night. Yes, our delight is in your law, O Abba. And in your law will we meditate day and night. Yes, in your law will we meditate day and night, night and day. Put your word in our heart, O Lord. We love you, Lord, and we lift our voice to worship you, O my soul. Rejoice, oh, take joy, my King, in what you hear. Let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. Oh, hail, King Jesus. All hail Emmanuel, King of kings, Lord of lords, bright morning star. And throughout eternity, I'm going to praise you as I lift your name above all names. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this day, this opportunity to speak for you again, this opportunity to break open your inspired, living, breathing word, Lord. I pray that you would just indelibly plant it in our hearts. Plant that seed, plant that word, that it might come to life first in our souls, but then be walked out in our daily lives, that we would be living, breathing, walkabout testimonies for you. Lord, I pray that you would take this word today, that you would minister to those that listen today, tomorrow, and in the future. Amen and amen.
Good day, good day, Kingdom Corner podcast devotees and listeners. I'm always so excited to be in your presence, to be with you here on the Kingdom Corner podcast. You're what makes this possible. You're what makes this come about. You are the ones that draw these truths out of me because I know people are praying. I know people are waiting on on the Father, and I know that God is going to open up His Word to us. We've started a deep dive, as I said, into the book of Psalms. We're past the introduction. Now we're into the introduction of all the Psalms, which is uh, the chapters 1 and 2 of Psalms. And we said we wouldn't necessarily go through every chapter, but these are the introduction to all the other 148 Psalms. And we finished with the third verse last time or actually the second verse. We only got through two verses. So we want to finish Psalm 1 and hopefully begin to break open Psalm 2 as well. Psalm 1. Psalm 1. The way of the righteous and the end of the ungodly is how my New King James Version titles this up up at the top there. Let me read again for you. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Amen and amen. So, the last time we finished off, we were only through verse 2. There's so many wonderful truths that we went through. We were talking about meditating on the, on the law of God and delighting in God. That's what we were talking about last time. And as we delight in God, then we begin to meditate on His Word. And then out of that experience comes what we... Uh, comes a product. It comes... A, here in this verse, it's a metaphor uh, uh, to show what the man or woman of God is like that delights himself in the Word, in God, and then meditates or pursues. Meditate meant to pursue, and delight meant to go over in your mind and heart again and again the Word of God. When you're doing that in your life on a daily basis, you become something. You become what you behold, and you are beholding the living, breathing Word of God. What does it produce? Well, David was inspired to say it this way. Psalm 1-3, He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Don't you just love the word pictures that our Bible, the writers of the Bible that were inspired by the Spirit of God to write, the metaphors they use, pots, soldiers, mountains, wheat, rivers, valleys, buildings, temples, 
all speak of something greater than just those physical things, right? Just like this tree speaks of something much greater, speaks of fruit, speaks of productivity, speaks, speaks of um, abundance, of being prosperous. This metaphor speaks of stability, because there's stability in trees, right? Strength, longevity. Uh, we could talk about the California redwood trees. Some are 4,000 years old that they are immovable. A tree, a well-planted tree, a mature tree, is never easily moved or uprooted. And also, like my wife's apple tree in the backyard, if it's tended to, cultivated correctly, it can be a very fruitful tree. Can it not? All right, this is a picture of a stable, immovable, persistent, fruitful, lasting, eternal man or woman of God. Why? Because they are strong in God, and therefore they, they, they can also, besides becoming strong, they can also be a strength for others and offer protection and security for those that are not as grown up yet, not as mature yet. Remember the song, I shall not be, I shall not be moved, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. Just like a tree planted by the waters, I shall not be be moved. Let's check out some parallel passages to support this. Psalm 15:5. He who does not put out his money as usury, nor does he take a bribe against the innocent, he does these things, he shall never be moved. Okay? Psalm 46:5. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. He's talking about his people. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. Matthew 15, 13. But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father has planted will not be uprooted. Or every one that he's not planted will be uprooted, is the way it says it. Planted. Let's look at that word for a second. This is a tree that God planted. That he put the seed in the ground and cultivated and nurtured and cared for and cultivated. God did this intentionally. This is not just any wild tree or bush. He planted you, my friend. He planted you. Think about that metaphor. He planted you when you came to know him, when you came to know his son Jesus, and through him you knew him and had relationship with him. He planted you that day. Planted by or on or over would be the Hebrew. He planted you on or over water. Ooh, that's a great spiritual picture, is it not? An oasis. The water speaks of the Spirit of God, of course. It's an oasis. It's a river of righteousness, a tree of righteousness. We are to be in or on or over the Spirit of God, are we not? See Romans 8 9, Galatians 5 16 and 25, and Ephesians 2, 22. I'll let you look them up. They'll also be for you in the show notes. Rivers. He planted a tree by the rivers, plural. Plural in the Hebrew speaks about canal or channels and has the idea of, of a division or dividing. Shows cultivation and irrigation. We work with Abba to irrigate. He, he helps plant us. He helps cultivate us. And we work also in the cultivating and irrigation of our spiritual plant, our spiritual life, right? Trees like willow trees actually hunt for water. 
with their roots. <laughs> this is a Garden of Eden experience that God is intending for you and I to be in the garden with Him, planted by Him, cultivated by Him, and working together, cultivating our spiritual growth, right? Co-working and laboring with God. What a beautiful picture. What a beautiful picture. Again, river shows a free-flowing life in God. Jesus said in John 7, 37 to 39, out of the belly, uh, out of one's belly, rivers of living water will flow or should flow. Not trickles, not streams, but rivers, plural. You know, continual, a continual source of God, of life, giving water, giving life. See Joel 2.23, and I'm thinking about how powerful water can be and a river can be, you know. That's, how, that's what God wants to do in our lives, you know, make us powerful in Him, right? Revelation 7.7, 7, for the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. And we're talking about at the end of time here in Revelation, He will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Talking about new heaven and new earth, what it's going to be like. John 4.14, but whoso drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him. God, see, he's giving you water, and it's going to be in you a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Spring up, O well. Remember that song? Spring up, O well, and flow out of me, right? Second Peter 2.17, wells without water. It's talking about ungodly people that are wells without water. Other places it talks about people that weren't serving God or fell away from God, they were like cisterns with holes in them where the water would leak out. We want to hold the water of God. We want to be in the waters of God. We want the waters of God to flow up out of us, through us, and out to others. Amen? God will keep the woman or the man who delights and meditates in Him flowing in the Spirit. Amen? We can continually flow in the Spirit as we delight and meditate ourselves in Him, right? That fruit, that, uh, let's see, this phrase, that brings forth fruit in its season, times and seasons. There's a season that you will be come to a place of maturity. And I think when a Christian is even newborn, they should be in a certain place where they can be fruitful. Times and seasons, Ecclesiastes 3 speaks of, uh, that you can read. Uh, times and seasons, there's going to be times and seasons, just like with my wife's apple tree where it's more fruitful. Like right now, my wife made a beautiful, beautiful apple pie from the apples on that tree because it was that time and that season, right? And it, it, it fed us and it nourished us and it delighted us. And when you have fruit that it comes to fruition, you can feed others. You can satisfy and nourish them in the Spirit, right? We get rooted to provide good fruit as we abide in the Father, as we abide in Abba. Galatians 5, and 23 talks about the fruits of the Spirit. Jesus spoke of this in John 15, 4 and 5. Remain or abide in me as I also remain or abide in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain, or meno, the Greek word says, abide, adhere to the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you abide, adhere, or remain in me. I am the vine, 
Jesus said, you are the branches. If you abide in me, remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Wow, what a beautiful scripture. Abide in him, remain in him. You know, and the other picture I get from this is trees, the apple tree out there, unless it's being attacked by pestilence or disease, we haven't cultivated it right. It just naturally will produce good fruit. It doesn't strive. It doesn't, you know, work real hard at it. It's just a natural process that God has set in place. Just like the natural process for you is to, as you meditate and, and as you uh, delight yourself in Him, the natural process will be you'll begin to produce fruit. John fifteen sixteen, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go. Why did He appoint you? to bear fruit. Fruit that will what? Last. Amen? I mean, the apple tree, the apple pie we ate, it's all gone. It did not last. But spiritual fruit uh, that's connected to Abba will last. And so, that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. All right? Galatians 6, 9. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest, you know, if we do not give up. A natural process to pr produce fruit in Abba's season for the blessed man or woman. That's what we're talking about. Fruit is the proof of our quality, character, and nature as we are God's children, right? And, and we're going to all produce fruit, different kinds of fruit, because we're all different kind of fruit trees, right? Let's look at the next phrase. Whose leaf also shall not wither. This speaks of what we do. It's the actions. It's how we conduct ourselves. Godly activity in the kingdom work is what it's speaking of. If we're over the water, if we're filled with the water, if we're right by the water of the Spirit, we will never dry up. We will receive plenty of water and sun, S-O-N, shine, because our delight and meditation is in Abba. We are always receiving and growing. That's what God intended. Always to be receiving and growing, right? Always to be a healthy fruit tree, a healthy apple tree, a healthy tree, right? Producing fruit to nourish ourselves and others. Think of the chlorophyll process, how the leaves come out in the spring and, and uh, they become healthy. Like a healthy fruit tree, we are alive, fresh, and full of green life. I mean, the other picture is sometimes Jesus, God, has to prune us back, uh, so we'll even become more fruitful. But that's, that's a discussion for another lesson, is it not? And whatever he does shall prosper. The next phrase, whatsoever he does shall prosper. This is proof of blessing for the one that's committed to Abba, to be success, to be profitable profitable, I'm sorry, to, and whatever he does shall prosper from a root to push forward or break out. See, the tree is breaking out in great fruitfulness, right? Let's look at some more cross-references that are so beautiful. Psalm 92, 12, and 13. This is one I wrote down above my desk here and put it there about five years ago because a, a buddy of mine shared it with me. The righteous shall flourish like the date palm, long-lived, upright, and useful. They will grow like a cedar in Lebanon, majestic and stable, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. Verse 14 is what I really highlighted. They shall still bring forth fruit 
fat and fruitful in old age. They shall flourish and be plentiful. Old age, and in our society, in North America, when you're 62, you're considered old. You know, you most likely you can get Social Security. So I'm a senior citizen, so I claim this verse for myself, that I am still fruitful in what the world says that I'm of an older age, right? Uh, Genesis 39.3, And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. The keeper of the prison did not look unto anything that was under Joseph's authority, because he trusted Joseph, right? Because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Is that the story of your life? Whatever you're doing today, is Abba making it to prosper? You can have that. You can have that kind of fruitfulness. You can have that kind of success, right? You can have that kind of prosperity. Genesis 49:22. Joseph is a fruitful bough, even a fruitful bough by a well, seized by the water there, whose branches run over the wall. In other words, they're breaking out. They're pushing forward like we talked about. That's what prosper means, right? Jeremiah 17, 5 to 8. And it's talking about the man who trusts in other men and in his flesh. He shall be, and I'm just paraphrasing, paraphrasing, like a shrub in the desert. He shall not see when good comes. That's the one who's not trusting the Lord. Then we go to verse 7 here in Jeremiah 17, 7. And this is very similar to Psalm 1 here. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear when heat comes, when trials come, right? But its leaf will be green, and will, he will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will he cease from yielding fruit. He's always going to be fruitful, amen? As we're by the rivers of the Spirit. Second uh, Chronicles 31, 20, and 21 about the righteous king Hezekiah. Hezekiah did throughout all of Judah, this he did throughout all of Judah, and did what was good and right and true before the Lord God. Verse 21, And in every work that he began in the service of the house of God, in the law and in the commandment, to seek his God, he did it with all his heart. So he prospered. Let's now look at the contrast. We're going to go on to verse 4, 5, and 6. And we're going to contrast. Now we, we've meditated, we've delighted in the Lord, we've grown into a prosperous, fruitful tree of blessing to others and to ourselves, to our families. That's what a righteous man or woman has in store for him, serving God, serving God today, all right? But now we're going to look at the other side of it. You know, this is the parallelism, the parallel poetry that's so beautiful in the Psalms. Psalms 1, 4, 5, and 6. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Verse 6. Let's go back to verse 4, and let's look at some of these phrases. The ungodly are not so. Literally, not so the unrighteous. The Greek, the Hebrew, I'm sorry, says it this way. Literally, not so the unrighteous. They're not so, right? 
because they're not serving God. It's emphatic Hebrew language. None of the righteous man's blessings will ever apply to the godly, or I should say, none of the righteous man's blessings will ever apply to the ungodly man or woman. Um, last three verses of the chapter refer in contrast to the righteous. That's what I was talking about. Now we're talking about the ungodly. This refers back to phrase one, or phrase, uh, the phrase, I'm sorry, in verse one, who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. All right? That, that phrase is used twice, the counsel of the ungodly, right? Chaff. Let's look at the word chaff. The word is used to show the unrighteous or ungodly as being opposite in character and lifestyle of the godly. Strong trees have roots and life, but in contrast, chaff is blown all over the place, right? There's no sustenance. There's no substance. It's worthless. You know, a farmer wouldn't bring the wheat into his barn and try to save chaff because it's, it's not worth anything. It's dry and barren, processed in a threshing barn to separate it out from the good grain. Uh, there are slats that are built in to blow away worthless chaff. Chaff is unstable and of no use. Let's look at Matthew 3, 11 to 12. I indeed baptize you with water under repentance, but he that comes after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand. And he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. See, that's a picture, okay? Um, it's talking about the good, the righteous and the unrighteous. Comparing them to, uh, you know, like wheat that's good and that he wants to keep. Uh, the unrighteous like chaff that he has no use for, right? Matthew 3, 11 and 12. Wow, that's what I just read. Let's go to Daniel 2.35. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were all broken up to pieces and became like chaff on a threshing floor in the summer. That was worthless, right? The wind swept them away without leaving a trace. But the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. Prophetically speaking of the rock of Christ, all the rest of the kingdoms, it's talking about kingdoms throughout time, Persia, Egypt, Greece, that this is a vision that Daniel had, of, and the statue was made of all these different metals, different irons, they all broke up, okay, they all became as chaff and blew away, and that's what we could say about the nations today, but the church of God, the rock, you know, I will build my church upon a rock, you know, and the enemy can't come against it, he told Peter, and the rock is Christ, it's going to last forever and fill the whole earth. What a beautiful picture there when you understand that. Mm. Isaiah 5.24, Therefore, as tongues of fire lick up straw, and as grass sinks down in the flames, so their roots will decay, and their flowers blow away like dust. For they have rejected the law of the Lord God Almighty and spurned the word of the Holy One of Israel. Okay? Pretty self-explanatory, don't you think? Jude 12 and 13. These people, that is the ungodly people, are blemishes at your love feasts, eating with you without the slightest qualms, shepherds who feed only 
themselves. They are clouds without rain, blown along by the wind, autumn trees without fruit, and uprooted, twice dead. What a picture that is, right? Let's go to verse 5 then. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Not in the sense, we're not talking about in the sense of um, judgment as in the resurrection, as in judgment day. Um, not in the sense of that resurrection. This speaks of being honored or debased. You know, they're standing judgment to be honored for what you've done that's good or debased for what you've done that it hasn't been good. This is a state of shame and is in view. There's no justification shown here for the sacrifice or Christ's blood. It's rather a condemning judgment. It's showing that that the wicked will eventually be cut off. Stand in judgment. Literally, the Hebrew says they shall arise in vindication. Therefore, the ungodly shall not arise in vindication. They won't be vindicated, right? The congregation, it means a community, an assembly, a gathering. It's from a root to testify. So all the people are gathered to see these judgments, right? And see what's going to happen. Psalm 5.5, 5, the boastful shall not stand in your sight. Psalm 26.12, my foot stands in an even place. In the congregation I will bless the Lord. Psalm 73.18, surely you set them in slippery places. You cast them down to destruction. Goats and sheep, wheat and tares, fruit and chaff is what I have in my notes. Those are the different pictures God gives of his people, right? Goats, those that are stubborn, don't serve God. Sheep, those that follow God willingly. Wheat, something that has value. Tares, that's like it's nothing, it's a weed. Fruit, and then we've talked about chaff being worthless. God is moving now to expose sin in his church. 1 Peter 4, 17. For the time has come for judgment, we're talking about standing judgment, to begin at the house of God, and if it begins with us first, what will the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? For the day of his great wrath has come, and who is able to stand? All right. So there's a lot of, like I said, we're, we're looking now at the contrast. We're really honing in on the ungodly, how they won't be blessed, how they're not going to stand and be vindicated, how they'll just be like chaff, and they'll just be worthless and blown away. And like I said, the Hebrew language, especially in the Psalms, uses a lot of poetic parallelism. So this last verse here is parallelism. It just really sums up this whole Psalm very well. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Think about that. The Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. He doesn't know them. I mean, he knows them in a certain sense, but it will perish. It'll be worthless. Uh, Job said, you know, you know the way that I take, and when I have gone through the fire, the trial, I shall come forth as gold. So he knows the way you're taking today, O righteous man and woman of God, no matter what season you're in. Whether you're seeing a lot of natural, you know, out in the natural eye prosperity, or you're going through some trying times, you know, he sees that. The ultimate factor in a life is God knowing us. 
That's the ultimate factor, having God know us and being aware of that and aware that we can know him. And he has accepted me and wants to be involved intimately. The word yada means intimate, wants to be involved intimately with me, right? 2 Timothy 2.19, Nevertheless, the foundation of God stands having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. Let's, let's go on with this. 1 Corinthians 8, 1-3. Concerning things offered to idols, we know that we have knowledge. We all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. And if, if anyone thinks that he knows anything... He knows nothing. In other words, if you think you know it all, you think you got it all figured out, you don't know anything. Yet, as he ought to know, if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. If you're a lover of God today, God knows you, and he loves you back. We love him. We love him. It says, if anyone loves God, we love him. Why? Because he first loved us. Remember that, my friend. If anyone loves God, he's known by him. Amen? Job 23.10. I, I think I just read this or quoted it. But he knows the way that you take, the way that I take. When he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. John 14.6. Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Through the veil that is his flesh. Uh, wait a minute. I, I'm sorry. I jumped to the next scripture. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to Abba except through me. Now let's go to the next one. Hebrew 10, 20. Hebrews 10, 20. By a new and living way, which he consecrated, consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. He's made a new and living way to know Abba, to know him because of the sacrifice of his flesh on the cross. Okay, well, let's, let's go to Matthew 10.30. But the very hairs of your head are numbered. He knows more about you than we know even about ourselves. Amen? Every hair he knows. He knows when one falls out. He knows when, when you begin to lose your hair if you do. He knows when it turns gray. He knows all about you. Let's finish this section on knowing or knows with this scripture. Matthew 7, 21 to 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Ooh. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Wow, we could preach so many messages out of this very verse. You can do all the works of faith. You can do all the works of miracles and yet really never, ever know him. Doing the will of the Father, I think, is tied to knowing him. You have to know him and hear his voice like his sheep to do his will. And just because you're doing these great works, Yes, he'll bless them because of faith. But, but like we said, if anyone loves God, God knows him. You have to love him. You have to lay your life down before him. There's so much to that verse.
You can do all those wonders. You can have faith to move mountains, like uh, 1 Corinthians 13 talks about. If you don't have love of knowing him, anyone who loves God, it's worthless, right? All right, let's go to the next word, which is we're talking about this verse here. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Let's look at the word perish. The way of the ungodly shall literally wander. Oh, there's so many ungodly people today. I'm not talking about that they're, they're just all evil and shooting people and doing drugs and cheating and all that. But, you know, ungodly people are people that just don't know God, that haven't turned to Him, that aren't allowing themselves to be aware of Him, and it says they're wandering. Remember how after Cain slew Abel, and God said, you're out of my sight now. I'm going to mark you so no man will take your life, but you're going to wander. You know, basically the idea was you're going to wander the earth. Um, and that's what he did. He wandered. And that's what uh, a man or woman without a relationship with Abba will do. They wander through life looking for answers, looking for those things that will satisfy. But the only thing that will satisfy is what he created them for, which was an intimate love relationship with him. Amen? A person left to their own way, uncared for, wanders aimlessly like a lost child and will end up perishing. Psalm 16.8, I have ever set the Lord before me. I think David wrote that. I have ever set the Lord before me. Good verse to remember every day. Lord, I will ever set you before me. Amen? James 4, 8. It's as simple as this, fans, or folks. Fans, too. Draw nigh, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. It's that simple. You don't know what to do? Just reach out to him right now. Say, Jesus, God, I'm just a frail person that you have made. It says you made us in Genesis in your image and likeness, Lord. And you know us better than we know ourselves. You said in the scripture that Matthew read here, that I read here, that you knew every hair that was on our head. So you know me. I pray this prayer now. Pray this prayer with me. Those of you out there, I just feel this in my spirit. I just feel this right now. Father, I want to know you. You said if I would seek you out and try to draw near to you, you would draw near to me. Lord, reveal to them the way to you, which is through the blood sacrifice of your son Jesus on the cross, even now, as I pray, Lord. Open their eyes to this, and now, if they've made that commitment, they can begin to converse with you, have a relationship with you, crawl up on your lap, and be near to you, and you in return will not cast them out, but you will grab them and hug them and hold them close. Amen? Amen. I hope you, those of you, if you're here today and you haven't known God, that now you do. That's my prayer. Psalm 112, 1 and 2. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Amen and amen. We're going to be done for today. I wanted to get into Psalm 2, but there was so much to cover here. 
that I think it's important that you just go and meritate, um, marinate and meditate on these words that um, were spoken today, on these concepts about being a, becoming a fruitful tree of strength, about coming to a place of drawing near to God and He will draw near to you. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for this day, for your blessing, for your word. We pray that it doesn't return void, but it does that fruitful work that you intended, that it nourishes and feeds your people. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for joining us for another great discussion on The Kingdom Corner, hosted by Matt Geib. Remember to click the subscribe button so you can be notified of each new episode as it's released. To enjoy an even deeper dive into God's Word, check out Matt's new devotional book, Searching for Significance, a devotional journey through the book of Ecclesiastes. Learn more and even hear from Matt himself on the devotional website, significanceacademy.com. As always, thank you for being a part of The Kingdom Corner.